Well, good morning, Johnny. Thanks for coming on today. Very glad to have you as a guest speaker on the Green Blue Urban Podcasts on multifunctional SUDs, the challenges and solutions to um, implementing, designing, implementing, and then maintaining these small um, incremental features that can make a massive difference. So today we've got Johnny Phillips on from United Utilities, and he is the Surface Water Strategy Development Manager, and we are very favoured to have him. So Johnny, welcome to this podcast this morning. Good morning, Carlos. How are you? Yeah, excellent. Thank you. It's a great day. Uh, had a lovely weekend, beautiful weather. Probably not the time we're thinking about suds naturally, but there's plenty <laughs> of areas um, in this country and across the world that are su- suffering from extreme flooding, rainfall events. And whilst planting a tree or plant, uh, installing a rain garden is not going to save Tewkesbury from flooding ever again, it is these small interventions that we believe can make a big difference. So tell us about how United Utilities are working with other stakeholders to use suds to tackle these climate change um, events that we're seeing. Tell us some of the, um, the projects that you've been working with. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so we work with a whole host of different stakeholders across the, the northwest, including the local flood authorities, the Environment Agency, and other partners such as yourselves in terms of developing and delivering green blue infrastructure into urban and rural areas. Some really good work at the moment is going on across the Greater Manchester Combined Authority, especially with the Ignition Project. Uh, that's a, an EU-funded project that has been looking to increase the amount of green infrastructure across Greater Manchester, and it's working to crack, to break down a lot of the barriers that are there and present at the moment with regards to actually installing, maintaining, and integrating some of these really great kind of pieces of products, um, street trees and rain gardens into our, our urban environment. So there's a number of ways in which this project, and I've been involved in, in some of those, has, has developed over the last couple of years. One, for example, is around innovative financing so that we have a scalable solution. So as I say, some of these are quite small, so you might not think that one tree makes a difference. But if we can get that that financial model right and scalable for a lot of contributors to come in and pay for those, then that increases its effectiveness in their, in the community. Absolutely. I think it's really important because there has been a bit of a a gap in how we fund these things, uh, these features, these interventions, because uh, the water companies are the ones that are going to get the benefits from them, but they're not necessarily the ones that have been paying for them. So I think it's really interesting. And the whole principle of suds, where we catch that water as soon as possible as it falls, as close to the point at which it falls, is really important. I think you've been doing some work on the uh, Bruntwood Blue Green Roof project, which is sort of catching that water on the top of the building. Tell us a little bit about that. Exactly. Um, in terms of catching it at source, that's absolutely critical. So that we've we've got a, a largely combined system, an old system in the northwest, which is a, as a result of our industrial heritage that we've got in cities such as Liverpool and Manchester. So if we can intercept and manage to remove rainwater at that source, then that creates capacity within our networks for more development to happen. Uh, a more sustainable way. So a really good example as to how we've done that and how we worked in partnership to do that with a, a business customer at the Brumwood site in Manchester is by delivering a, a blue-green roof. So we've been able to come over a lot of different challenges in terms of doing this 
and by working with partners there is a uh, this infrastructure installed on the top of the roof which has a, a green sort of um, wildflower beds on top of it and it enables the rainwater to filter through that green <coughs> roof into the reservoir below and then there is a control on that which is smart so that we're able to discharge water to the sewer depending on that rain rain that's forecast to come in and that we're now learning a lot about that data now whether it's summer and winter settings um, how do we actively dynamically manage that rainwater that does make its way to the sewer and, and trying to use the kind of the indicative capacities within the sewer downstream to let us know when the correct time to do it is. That's really interesting I think this combination of using the internet of things and and moving our water when there's capacity i think that's a really intelligent way of doing things and particularly in many of our cities where we do have water courses that we can put rainwater into the ability to use those i think is really important and 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 when we start looking at strategic level um unite utilities have, have been quite at the forefront of how they they've been looking at this and i think you've been working on some of these longer term projects such as the suds for schools project tell us a little bit about that how, how you think that's going to be rolled out yeah so this is a, a pilot project that we've done this year um, looking at a number of schools across the the northwest and basically trying to get a lot of learning for our next asset management periods in terms of how do we sustainably design and install green blue infrastructure within kind of more public realm including schools where we're going to see a lot of the benefits in terms of hydrologically um, but we're also going to see that intergenerational influencing so the next generation um, of our school children and our families understand and acknowledge the appreciation of the value of water so it's a, a really in terms of the northwest it rains a lot which it does but we also have due to climate change more periods of longer drier weather in the summer and that's when um, our reservoirs can become really stressed and that acknowledgement that water is a really valuable resource and how we kind of use control and harvest that and provide that education is a really key thing that we want to be able to kind of expand out. I think that's brilliant because at Green Blue Urban we see water as an asset. Rainwater is a great yeah. asset. Uh, and if we're going to be using potable water to irrigate our planting, or irrigate our trees, that carries with it a, a substantial carbon footprint. So we should be using that free asset that comes out of the skies, really looking after it so that we can use it. I think that's great. Did you not do a project um, with the RHS down at the Bridgewater site where you did some sort of understanding in, in, in uh, how to use rainwater? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So we have signed uh, a kind of an initial three-year partnership with the RHS um, from when Bridgewater opened. I've been down there myself and it, it's an absolutely amazing site and incorporates a number of great different um, features that not only will tell us more about the effectiveness of different types of suds, but again, providing that educational element to the, the amount of people that will go and, and see the different bits there. So something that they have done is a, a permeable car park on entry to the site so as you go in you'll you'll be able to see that car park and there's a number of swales that then manage that rainwater from that car park to reduce that volume infiltrate and then what we're doing is monitoring the discharge that goes into the suds attenuation pond for two years alongside a climate station and what that'll tell us is the effectiveness 
of that permeable car park against what it would be traditionally as a tarmac car park. So it isn't, again, just those water losses. These suds are providing so many different benefits, whether that's across water quality improvements, amenity or biodiversity that can be realised not only by the local councils, the environment agency, but also by communities, businesses to in really increase that kind of economic value and uh, multi-capital value across the northwest. That's, that's brilliant. When we had the, the, the privilege this last year of um, supporting the RHS at the Chelsea Fair Show with a, with a with a display that actually showed how permeable paving works. And your idea of, of, of making more car parks permeable, I think it's a no-brainer in most of our areas. Some of our biggest runoff comes off from these these large areas of wall-to-wall -wall tarmac. And I think there's clearly opportunities there of, of bringing in some alternative drainage into that. So legislation, do you see some of the changes that we've seen in other parts of the UK? Do you see that's going to happen in England, do you think? The idea of implementation of Schedule 3 of the Flood and Water Management Act, do you think that's likely to come in? I think that there will be some variation of that potentially to, to come in. I think we've been able to see and learn from what's been implemented in Wales to really great success in, in places like Cardiff and um, the projects that they've had through Greener Grangetown and other schemes like that. I think now the time that's passed since that initial legislation was set up, we really do want to see Schedule 3 enacted in the most effective way. And we want to take the lessons that have been learned from how it's been done in Wales and apply that so we have a really successful um, and achievable framework for councils in England to then apply. And then whether how water and sewage companies or any other partners make up that kind of that whole offering around suds, I think that's still yet to be determined. But I think it's a really exciting time to be working within this industry and within this space and the amount of scale and opportunity that we've got um, through these kind of, hopefully these barriers that we can break down to make this an absolute norm in terms of installing blue-green infrastructure all across our urban landscapes. I think that's oh, that's really helpful. Uh, and, and the whole issues around right to connect, we're seeing in some areas that that's almost being eroded because of the pressures on our sewage system. What, what do you think, how do you think that's going to work going forward? I think it's, it's a really key thing, um, right to connect in that ultimately the last um, point of discharge is to the combined sewer. And in some cases, the steps beforehand to really test whether there can be infiltration, there can be source control embedded due to the really hard constraints that we've got within the planning system. Those steps get um, fast-tracked and we're getting more into the combined sewer than we, we think we should. I think there's been a massive improvement recently um, over the, you know, the, the last few years in terms of really enforcing that surface water hierarchy. It's been um, something that's been up in the news recently about things like right to connect um, recommendations we've made to the, the National Infrastructure Commission around the impact of surface water nationally and how we kind of need to, not just with the, the Flood and Water Management Act or the Town and Country Planning Management Act, um, what we need to do is take all those bits of legislation, look at it holistically and then think how does that need to kind of re realign itself to be more effective and more straightforward for planners, for homeowners to follow if they are to um, 
kind of provide their own climate resilient spaces within either their their households, developments, or uh, business spaces. I think that's that's really good because one of the things that we've been thinking at Green Blue Urban is that really all of us need a bit of a paradigm change in thinking as to surface water, that it's our responsibility. Every one of us who who lives somewhere or has premises somewhere, we need to take ownership of that rainwater rather than just trying to get rid of it as quick as we can into somebody else's problem. And as you say, that might be just something as simple as water butts, or it might be something a bit more complex than that. But taking up our responsibilities, I'm really encouraged. And the whole business about driveways, we've had this conversation for at least the last quarter of a century about not paving over our front gardens. But I don't hear the same level of conversation about patios in the back gardens or or, or sheds or man caves, whatever we want to call them, that are just nibbling away at this permeable area. Do you think there's something we need to think about in, in, in relation to that? Absolutely. And I think it ties in again to a review of the existing legislation and how that just needs to be um, updated because it isn't just the area straight in front of the house that's an issue. Extensions, patio over green spaces in backyards, astroturf, um, these are all things around urban creep that aren't accounted for in that existing legislation. And I think it's our job to try to educate high volumes and show by kind of example that these more green blue smart solutions of managing rainwater, harvesting rainwater at source are the most effective, aesthetically pleasing, variable, easy to maintain solutions that you can get. It's about making it easier within the market for then um, householders, whether it's myself or yourself, or whether it's a business customer to be able to do on their own properties. And something that we try and incentivize at United Utilities is providing an incentive for non-household customers or business customers to be able to do, which is where if they can retrofit sustainable drainage into their existing footprint, then they can then receive a kind of uh, a reduction within their surface water bill if they're using sustainable drainage features. That's that's very interesting. So you even on retrofit situations, you will give them some sort of credit of yeah. the and how's that calculated? Is it on the, the area they're draining or how does that work? Yeah, it, with the, the site area site area based charging for surface water, each non-household customer um, through their retailer will be on a certain band to pay it depending on the size. So the amount that they then reduce by using sustainable drainage features they can then negotiate with their retailers um, to then get that proportionate discount based on the area where the rainwater isn't draining to the sewers. That's interesting because you do that on, because you do that on new developments as well, don't you? Where the, if people put in sustainable drainage features and low water use, then you reduce the cost of the initial connections. Is that right? Do I remember something about that in the past? Yeah. So what we do is for if you don't drain surface water to the sewer and that goes direct to a water course or infiltration, then you wouldn't have to pay for your surface water charges. So what we try and do is we try and make it kind of uh, we try and incentivize, we try and promote those kind of behaviors where we can actually think about rainwater disconnection and infiltration, but also doing that incentivizing it through sustainable drainage systems. I think that's that's really intelligent. Now, you've had a bit of experience over the last few years in working in some of these retrofit situations. I think you worked on the project in Howard Street, Manchester, which was being monitored. Give us a little bit of um, a bit of history behind that and, and tell us how it's how it's still going. Yeah, so we, we installed some 
Sudden Abel Street trees and Howard Street and in other areas across Greater Manchester a few years ago. And that was really the first time that we'd, we'd done it essentially in partnership with uh, many other partners in terms of assessing the effectiveness of those solutions. And, and what we realised is that there was a really high rate, a lot higher than we expected in terms of the actual percentage runoff that was not was being attenuated by that storage within the, the street tree system as opposed to going to the sewer. So building on the analysis that was done with the University of Manchester there, we're now looking at installing a few more at Lever Street and um, close to Stevenson Square in, in the northern quarter in Manchester. And again, it's testing out these different configurations around street trees, the storage that, that's associated with it, the losses that you can achieve to sewer, but also realising the multiple benefits. So how does that it isn't just the hydrology of reducing that volume to the sewer. What's that fair share payment between the councils that benefit the communities and the businesses that benefit to make it an actual scalable solution that we can then go out wider with? And a good business case for that. And I think that's great because one of the problems, that, the challenges we have to overcome is there's not a lot of actual hard data over what trees do because they're not um, they're not very communicative with us and telling us how much water they're taking up. And I think that what the work that United Utilities is doing with that is is fantastic. And and we would like to thank you for that because it's it's those figures that really justify and bring that case to to make it happen. So thank you very much indeed, Johnny. Really appreciate you spending us some time with us today and giving us the United Utilities view. And um, we look forward to working with you in the future and um, wish you a cracking week. Absolutely, Howard. Thank you very much. Thank you.